Hey everyone, Schnickerman here back with another Gaming with Passion podcast. This is episode 7 already, and I'm happy to introduce you to my next guest, Jay Brucifer. I've known him from Twitch for the past, I think, 3 plus years at this point. He's a really awesome dude. He's really passionate about gaming, technology. In a way, I feel like he's been a big mentor for me for different content creation. So in this episode, we're happy to talk about some of our favorite video games and then get into different ways that you guys can come up with content creation focused around things that you like. And we wanted to look more at different strategies that are maybe not as in the open, stuff that most people might not think about, but is actually a pretty good way of creating unique content and getting people to discover you. So if that sounds interesting, stay tuned for episode seven of Gaming with Passion. First things first, can you introduce yourself and tell people where they can find you? Uh, hi, Jay Brucifer. I am a beautifully bearded bitch who likes to just say some bullshit and drink beers and all that jazz uh you can find me uh everywhere twitch twitter instagram tiktok at jbrucifer random i guess numerical link on youtube that's pretty much it we'll have the links to pretty much all of his social media in the description if you're watching the youtube version let's get started since this is the gaming with passion podcast let's start talking about what got you interested in gaming and what's your most fond first gaming memory that you might have so honestly i don't even remember a time where i didn't play video games it was more or less just like my dad got me into gaming so my dad is very much so like me in the sense of he just likes having nice current electronics and he uh, just can't help himself but just buy them whenever they come out. So, I mean, I started on like a, a Super NES, a, a Nintendo, everything like that. So I there's literally just no time in my life that I don't remember gaming. And it's more just it's part of who I am, I guess. Yeah, it's just who I am sitting here playing random bullshit games and having fun with it. Is there any one particular memory that stands out in your head from your childhood that just the nostalgia trip that takes you back to anything? So first and foremost, I'm going to tell you that my, my memory is complete shit. I have terrible memory and there's apparently parts of my life that I don't remember. We'll lead off with that, but I do remember at one point at an old house, like the only part of... So I remember the address for this house. I remember the phone number for this house, and I remember stuff that happened to this house, so apparently it was a good part of my life. There was one time that I went over to visit my dad because I, I lived with my mom, and I went to visit my dad on the weekends, as you do in usually a co-parenting kind of situation. I went there, and in the middle of the room, there is just like this box of just something that my grandpa brought over. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh, okay. Uh, it was a brand new Nintendo 64 and Super Mario 64. I think it was like probably one of like the first bundles that they had for it, which probably was close to like $800 back then. Uh, I just remember the first time just starting that thing up with that cartridge. It's just like it took me back to whenever I played Nintendo, like Super Nintendo and Nintendo Entertainment System, just like instinctively wanting to blow into the cartridge, <laughs> but it's brand new. So you're like, I don't fucking need to do this. I don't need to do this. I want to do this. I don't need to do this, but I want to. And then you just kind of give it a little tiny blow, a little, a little poof. And then turning that bitch on and just hearing, wahoo, just a lot better because it's the voice actor from Mario. Yeah, you hear that. Let's go. 
Let's go. And I remember like the intro screen or like the, I guess, yeah, the intro screen for Super Mario 64 where you just grabbed his fucking face and just stretched him. Yeah, that was, that was haunting. I, I remember that was very haunting because I would just do some shit. I would just do some really weird shit. It's just like, okay, let's make his nose like super thin and up to the left. Let's give him a Jay Leno chin because I knew who Jay Leno was back then. And I don't know, just give him some fucked up facial features. And then you just pressed into it and you just went into that fucking like the first the first thing you remember about that game is just like just that little intro from Princess Peach. And then all you hear is no voice acting there. Certainly not. But I think that that was definitely a game that affected a lot of people. And I know it's interesting to think about because the first thing I really played was 3D related games. So I can only imagine from going from somebody who was playing like Super Nintendo and then going right into 64 and seeing that jump from all like 2D sprites into the like 3D polygons and stuff must have just been like mind blowing. It was jarring. It's just you you go from playing like Super Mario World like side scroll to just this quote unquote open world adventure and you see it's just like oh this 3D is so fucking game changing but then you realize it's like nowadays it's like you could play it on a phone. Yeah, that's what's so crazy, right? And this is a little bit controversial, but I, I do feel like that a lot of the uh, N64 games definitely didn't age very well, which I think is kind of expected with the first like entry into the 3D realm. But they definitely were pushing the envelope, right? And now you can look at pretty much any game and you have some aspect of you know 3D movement in the space. But yeah, I mean, it's it's common knowledge now. It's just like, like you said, they were pushing the envelope. They entered a space that I feel like wasn't really, nobody was asking for it. And they're just like, we got you. You didn't know you need this, but here you go. So besides this kind of stuff, let our listeners know, like what kind of stuff are, have, you, have you been interested in? Or let me, let me put it this way. What kind of games have you been playing lately? It doesn't have to be a modern game, but what, what have you been jiving with recently or vibing with? Oh, so basically what kind of bullshit I've been putting myself through? I mean, that's a good way of putting it. On stream, I've played like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I just kind of got back into, but I'm going to be 100% real. Maneater is one of the funnest games I've played in a long time because it's pure fucking carnage. I've been wanting to pick up Maneater because it's cheap, it looks hilarious, and I've been kind of getting more into games that I can beat fairly quickly so I can actually progress through some games that I have just sitting on my shelf that I've never touched. Honestly, I, I like it because of how fucking random it is. Also, God, what was his name? Was it Chris Parnell? Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's Chris Parnell because I have the handy Google right here. Uh, he's the he's the narrator for Maneater and it's fucking great. It's so funny. <laughs> he just comes up with this like random shit just uh, about like, I guess, the geological area in which you're in. It's just like this place is a complete fucking dump. Mutations have happened years, years and years and years after companies started spilling. It's it's pretty much just like a giant game of you being a fucking shark in satire. That's amazing. It is. Also, it's on Game Pass. Just letting you know that. Oh, sweet. PC Game Pass or? PC Game Pass. I didn't fucking pay for it because I'm a broke bitch. You hear that, Microsoft? Free shout out. What's up? Hit up your boy. You're welcome. The way you describe it, I automatically think of Katamari games. Did you ever play those? I haven't. 
they're like the really Japanese games where they're this little character and you're just rolling up the world. Like you start by like oh. rolling up like pencils and crap. And then all of a sudden you're like rolling up planets and like, but you just explain it as like pure random, pure chaos, blah, blah, blah. So that made me think of that game. Simpsons Road Rage esque because kind of random destruction. Mm -hmm. Remember when like car destruction games were like all the rage? Twisted Metal. Yeah, Twisted Metal. Like, and then there were like three like Twisted Metal clones that came out like pretty quickly afterwards by other companies. What was it? Like, there's also like Crazy Taxi. Yeah. God, there was a bunch of them. Because turns out God, if you want to so play many. a driving game, you either want to play a realistic driving game or you want to play a bonkers, makes no sense driving game. Yeah, no, no, that seems about right. Yeah. Seems completely and fairly accurate. It's just like you're either going to put on a VR headset or have an immersive fucking simulation rig, or you're going to be playing on a controller and making sure that you run over people. Shout outs, GTA. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I actually had a roommate where, you know how you always like, see the people with the racing wheel and all that stuff and the people that put on the helmet and i knew those people existed but then once i actually had a roommate that actually took like racing games seriously and stuff he was like here play this game and I, I don't remember what it was like it was probably like a formula one game or something and i'm playing it and he's like oh yeah you have to shift gears and stuff and i was like oh wait wait a second wait a second i was like <laughs> i don't even shift gears in real life uh, okay like you're just like excuse the fuck out of me i was like this is not fun to me this might be amazing for you but um i'm looking to drive an automatic vehicle here like i see you're a man of culture you drive a stick shift i'm a fucking dirty heathen exactly i don't No, oh, i've seen i've seen some crazy rigs that shit is wild especially with like the they have what like those like 15 or not like the 900 or 1000 r curved displays like a foot away from them and they have like that welded rig that has like everything on it they got the fucking it looks like a roll bar i guess essentially and they have like a little i guess it's like one of those pull shifters i don't even know it's just wild it's it's so crazy like i want to do it but i'm not trying to pay that much money because i know me and i know how easily i would get bored of it not bored of it i would just forget that i had it i think it would just be one of those things that you know how they've been having these companies that will just pop up that like will be a building where they just have a bunch of nice gaming computers that you can like play pc games on or whatever yeah i feel like that would be the perfect situation to be like oh here's a sick like racing game setup that you can just use and rent out by the hour or something I mean, that'd be cool. That'd be fucking really cool because mainly, you know how expensive those rigs are? I know even the racing wheels can be like up to a thousand dollars or something, depending on like how realistic you want it to be. Yeah, they're like two or three grand. For the whole thing, right? Yeah. For the whole thing. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that's like entry level. It's like at that point, you can just buy a car. A hundred percent. But I guess with this uh, thing, you don't have to pay insurance. That's a good thing. That's true. You know, maybe maybe when we hit reach the metaverse and stuff, like you'll feel cool enough just driving around your virtual car. You don't even need a real car. And you can flex on the virtual people with your nice, fancy Corvette fake car. You know what I mean? And you can speed and not actually have real life consequences. You just look at them. You're like, vroom, vroom, bitch. Pretty much. It's like that uh, Mazda. It's like zoom, zoom. But then you actually just like hold control and zoom in with your fucking mouse. And it's just like, I'm actually zooming. I actually like that. That comparison is amazing. Zoom, zoom. But with the keyboard. 
a little bit of a um, boom, 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 a little zoom, 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 zoom in my boom, boom. Before we get into the whole content creation thing, let's talk about, do we think that there will eventually be this like ready player one slash like metaverse slash like internet of things where essentially any real life activity is just translated into a virtual activity? Like, I, I, I feel like it's going that way. I think it's just bound to happen because... Same, but I still think it's a ways away. How crazy technology is right now. Like, one thing that's still very much so lacking is VR. There, There's so much stuff that we've seen in, I guess, like these movies about the futuristic, like, virtual reality stuff. Yeah. And so far, like... Virtual reality is Beat Saber and uh, pretending you're a gladiator and stabbing people. Yeah, that's fair because even with like Oculus and all these VR things, yeah, I, I tend to agree that the most popular game is still pretty much like Beat Saber, which don't get me wrong, is a pretty cool game, but it still doesn't really utilize like as much of VR as you would expect as possible at this point. Oh yeah, it's it's still really really new yeah like i I have an oculus uh rift cv1 which is like one of the first ones like it's fucking great it's amazing it's so cool but it's still limiting the amount of games that they have for vr right now they it, it doesn't lead me to believe that we're in line for a relatively soon i guess ready player one type world because there is going to it's either going to be fucking hundreds of years from now whenever processors are essentially like the size of a fucking fingernail or even like the size of a piece of skin yeah that's a good point i think that has to happen before you can do any of this for sure Mm -hmm. there has to be so much integration to to go through to have that like i guess ready player one s kind of experience like yeah it's it's gonna be a long way from right now because if you think about it it's just like okay cool we got like 16 core 32 thread machines they're still fucking big and you're still tethered in there's not really like i mean there are wireless solutions for vr and everything like that but they're not good they're fucking terrible (laughs) usually like one i what is it like the oculus link which is used for the uh the new quest like the quest 2 which is a good machine for how cheap it is and definitely like an entry level into vr like pc vr because there's like there's different realms of vr there's like ps vr which is like the playstation vr there's i guess there's pc vr which i guess you can you can already tell it's pc virtual reality which is usually like Steam and the Oculus fucking store and shit like that. And then there's just like the headsets, which are, they have their own little processor on there, but it's not the best. And then there's Google Cardboard. Google Cardboard? Which is literally just cardboard. You put your phone in a cardboard. Yeah, there's the Nintendo Labo virtual reality, which is a piece of cardboard also that you put your phone into or you put your Switch into. I can't even remember. No, you put your Switch into it. But dear God, how much were they fucking charging for those pieces of cardboard? I I will say that that product did get substantially discounted for many years afterwards. And I'm not sure who paid full price for that, but... I hope nobody did. I know for a fact people definitely did, so... Like, looking at the Labo, $80. Yeah, dude, for cardboard. For painted cardboard with a Switch logo on it. That's proof that Nintendo definitely knows how to sell their shit. And I I do think things like that have a special place. But let's be real, it's it was definitely not really progressing very much. Oh no. 
Oh no. Like the whole concept was cool. It was, I mean, I, I feel like it was supposed to be more or less like an entry into kids designing things and kids like building things that and them to like i guess get into i guess in this case like engineering and robotics and stuff like that yeah like the concept is cool but 70 to 80 dollars for some cardboard for some cardboard yeah the price point didn't make sense to me at all if you're aiming it at kids and you're aiming it at getting kids into engineering and stuff but then you make it extremely expensive for kind of no reason it's weird to me but just like just letting you guys know first and foremost your future hobby that you're gonna learn to love is expensive as fuck way more expensive than a bunch of breadboards which doesn't make any sense <laughs> right right them selling like the labo stuff for like 70 or 80 bucks is like somebody selling like a gpu box for 800 dollars. yep which happens let's be 100 percent real that happens. On a side tangent, I think eventually people are going to want to collect old graphics cards, just like the way they collect old everything else. Oh, yeah, it's it's a nostalgia thing. Like, the thing is, like, nostalgia is for everything. There's no certain just like you can't be you can only be nostalgic towards video games or movies or something like that. I can be nostalgic towards a table. Pretty much. Yeah. Or design just of like table. That table that brings back some good memories. Fucking Ikea knew what they were doing. They had that fucking Swedish engineering. They had those colors. <laughs> okay. Again, side tangent. I could buy a table and some meatballs at the same time. Dude, I actually didn't believe the food thing until I'd been in my first Ikea last year and I saw it. And I just, I bought some cookies. I didn't, I didn't touch the, um, Balls are bomb. like heated up food because it was the, it was the pandemic. So I was kind of like, eh, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like, Hey, we got you some meatballs. Also, you might get a little bit of COVID. Yeah. I, I bought some just like packaged cookies, chocolate, and they were amazing. Like they're actually really fucking good. Yeah. I was like, what can't the Swedish people do? Honestly, no one's going to ever know. It's just the, 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 the Ikea has everything. Wouldn't be surprised at this point if like 10% of their income comes from these Detolf shelves. Those are like those like square, like four tier display shelves that everyone has for like their anime figures and like whatever. And I have one. I have one. I swear everybody has like at least one. It's it's perfect. Exactly. It's perfect for showcasing shit. Like you, you know that little, the little, the, the hobgoblin picture that I have in the back. Yeah. Yeah, that's in one of those <laughs> where my little light ball is. Yeah. My little ball of light. I've been meaning to go back and like pick up three more because I have far too many things. Because my life is a hoarder life, and all I have is things. You're not a hoarder. You are a collector. This is what I try to tell my girlfriend, but she still insists that I'm a hoarder or I'm entry level hoarding. So we'll have to see how that progresses. Like once you start just collecting newspapers and say, I just need to know the date from four years ago on a Tuesday, then you're a hoarder. Yeah, I mean, the difference is like, I think hoarders, the definition is that they can't let anything go. That's true. And I'm definitely not at that point. Like I can see value in certain things. And if I'm not enjoying something anymore, I'll be the first person to just sell it and buy something else or not buy anything. So I just Googled the hoarder definition, a person who hoards things. But hoarding is like, imagine a dragon hoarding gold. Like that dragon is not giving that gold up, right? That's good. Old and there's another company also that's like taking old old like video game and pc magazines and like scanning all the pages so they can archive like articles and like reviews and like all that kind of stuff so that's uh, i did not know that 
Yeah, and I, I do feel like it's, at least right now, is a pretty underrated part of content creation because, you know, you, you might not, it's not really glorified and you might not necessarily get as much credit as some people want based off the fact that everybody wants to be famous in like two seconds these days. But I think it's like super important and I think the people that would actually appreciate it would like really appreciate it that somebody's going forward to do that. Yeah, I mean, the fact that like somebody's taking the effort to literally archive things that aren't digital onto a digital format that's fucking sick like that's such a cool like that's that's like that's such a unique thing to do that's that's unique content yeah exactly and it's like not even that traditional sense of content it's like you are taking something and like your idea of cre content creation is creating an archive for these things that people have made that don't really get the recognition that they deserve in i guess the digital era yeah, and, and it extends past that because if you're listening to this and you think it sounds pretty interesting and you still want to somehow translate it into something that can give you more recognition, I, there are a lot of channels on YouTube and things like that that they'll take this information that they've gathered and create kind of like video essays for it and things like that. I know I'm trying to like go that direction as well a little bit, like just taking things that I care about, that there's not mm -hmm. a lot of information, just scour the internet gather that information and put it together for people so if other people want to not have to do all the work you did they can have it easily accessible and be able to enjoy it so one thing that i don't i don't really look into a lot but i respect the fuck out of are like those crazy lore videos exactly it's the same kind of idea like i've seen some crazy ass like destiny destiny 2 lore videos and i'm just like first off i have no clue what the fuck they're saying but second off that's pretty neat don't even get me started on the dark soul stuff i used to just like watch that like when i was studying and stuff because usually they'd have somebody with like a super soothing voice being like the hollow or blah 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 blah, blah. like no i can't even i can't even do it justice it's like <laughs> it's like the first bonfire <laughs> it's like dark souls <laughs> the first bonfire was lit sometime before the year 2056 <laughs> by the unknown hollow person <laughs> blah 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 <laughs> they're, they're so good though that's like the perfect intro for something like that because i'm pretty sure that there used to be like one or two people that made videos about it and i'm pretty sure now it's like an entire genre like oh yeah like lore videos it's in its own yeah that's what i mean it's so like it, it definitely used to be niche as fuck but i mean like everything on the internet it evolved and like with rising numbers of you know people consuming content it's just makes sense that these things that people put so much time into back in the day um kind of get now finally get their recognition it, tell me how crazy is it like that something you make doesn't get as much recognition as you think it does uh, think it will whenever you make that video but think about it like a year later that shit might fucking pop off that's basically what i keep telling myself because i feel like certain things that i'm interested in they they're really niche and it, it doesn't necessarily benefit my short-term goals but in the long term, making quality content that doesn't exist is just so much more valuable than just jumping on these bandwagons to get clicks or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's not only valuable, it's fulfilling. That's 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 the other piece is that you enjoy it, right? Yeah. It's just like you put so much time into something you really enjoy. And like it definitely sucks whenever you're looking at something and you're just constantly watching the numbers and you're like, okay, okay, okay. 
I got an extra view today. Cool. Uh, I need to pop off quick now. You're you're basically speaking to my last like <laughs> month of self-reflection. This exactly happened to me. I I've been doing this for a while now. I've been creating content for a while now, like four or five years. I I haven't popped off, and I'm happy with it right now because I feel like there's value in the content that I make. Like whether it be like a little bit little YouTube video I made on fucking like OBS and all that stuff because that's literally what most of my actually that's all of my YouTube content is OBS stuff <laughs> but no it's just like that value of like knowing that you made something that you really enjoy and it actually reaching like a good number like you you'll, you'll see that eventually but like at first it's shitty to see like something you put so much time into not doing well a few things I want to hit on number one thing I want to hit on is is me Yes, I want to hit on you. <laughs> like, since we are kind of talking about YouTube in this point in time, I, I want to say for all the potential content creators out there, you always want to think about making things that have long-term long value. So I don't think it should be 100% of what you're focusing on, but you, you want to make videos that are going to continue to get basically prestige or viewership over time. Yeah, what's it called? Like evergreen content? Yes, evergreen content. Like one video that I secretly, well, I was passionate about making it, but I didn't really ever expect to do is like, I made a video and it was chemistry based, which is obviously my background. And this is why I was like interested in doing it because I realized that especially within the retro gaming community, a lot of people use certain cleaning products to make sure, you know, all the collectors, they want their stuff to be in top condition, right? But when it comes to cleaning supplies, the common Joe Schmo doesn't know what the heck they're actually using and how to use it because they don't understand what the material is. So my idea was like, okay, I can take these common things that everyone's doing, try to put some context behind it and just explain to people what they're really doing and how they should actually be using it. And so the one video I had done was the one about a magic eraser, which is the best branding in the world because nobody has any idea what it actually is and everybody thinks it is actually magic, even though it's debatable whether magic exists. No, I'm just kidding. But um, somebody went a little in on that. <laughs> It's just one of those things where it was something I was passionate about. And I think when I first released, it's like basically zero views. But because it falls, it's it's very niche, but it's also something that's extremely Googled slash looked up in videos of what is this thing that nobody knows what it is or what it does. And that has created a very consistent supply of viewership and kind of create like translation of viewership to fans because people will watch it and say, hey, this is amazing. Like, I've always wondered this. I couldn't find any information on it. Thank you for putting this together for me so I didn't have to spend hours looking for this myself. Right. Yeah, it's like it's that random question that you have in the back of your head that let's be 100% real. There are thousands of people that have that random question in the back of their head. It's just like, what the fuck is this thing? Like, I'm going to be 100% real on this. They were probably drunk or high whenever they thought about that and looked up your video. It's it's certainly possible. It's like, what is a magic eraser? Is it an eraser? Yeah, it's not actually an eraser at all. But so another like side tangent quick is that there there apparently was like a viral TikTok thing that people were using magic erasers to make their teeth white, which, um, yeah, that's not good. You're basically sanding off your enamel on your teeth. So 
wouldn't, oh, wouldn't no. recommend doing that. But somebody commented on the video and said, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people using this on their teeth right now. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. That's the first thing I say is, oh, no. But along with that kind of like evergreen content, I think a, a good way to transition from that is another thing I've been thinking about is like, no matter how niche something is, like it's good to have evergreen content, but it's also good to get super niche for no reason. And what I mean by that is like, oh, do you play a mobile game that's kind of obscure? Yes. Do you play it every day? Yes. Do you know a lot about this game? Okay, great. Now check YouTube. Do any YouTube videos about it exist? No? Okay, well now you can make an entire channel about it and grow extremely fast depending on how popular the game is, but pretty much anything that exists that doesn't have any content for it or is lacking in the content department, you can, even if the fan base is small but consistent, you can really get some good traction there, so. You really can. I would always recommend that to people, especially when starting out. There is a huge benefit to making niche content. Like, there are people that I, I like a personal friend of mine, he started a niche channel about like skater xl content that motherfucker is very big right now <laughs> because he started putting out that niche content and as the i guess the fan base grew so did his actual content and there's plenty of room even in the niche content world to these you don't have to have millions of subscribers or twitch subs to be successful you know build your fan base and build your following for who you are and what you're interested in and try not to get involved in other things that you might not want to do. Yeah. No, it's just like one of those cases of when making niche content works. I love, I, I fucking love to see it, as people would say. Let's um talk for a second. I want to hear your opinion on... So for me, I think that the potential right now in making TikTok content for pretty much anything is amazing. But the only problem with it is that the fans that you might get on TikTok are usually very slow to translate into any other platform. And also, I feel like the algorithm for TikTok is weirder than the algorithm of YouTube, which I think is kind of weird. Like, I know Google spent a lot of money making this really complicated algorithm. So even though people don't understand it, you can kind of at least get some idea of how it's working based off of, you know, what kind of content you're consuming and what you're searching and all this different kind of stuff. But TikTok to me is like, after a certain amount of viewership of you watching different videos, it basically just starts suggesting what you're going to watch, but not in a way like YouTube does. So I think that there is a lot of potential there because you can just make a random one-off TikTok about something that might be popular and then all of a sudden you're getting in people's feeds in a way that YouTube wouldn't wouldn't really do that for you. Yeah. The YouTube algorithm has been around long enough to where people can kind of understand it, even with it changing. It's just like they can kind of see where that change is going to happen. I still think that TikTok's like so new and nobody has any analytic like background on how the actual algorithm works that it's like it's hard to fucking understand. It's like it's easy, not easy, but it's kind of easier to understand how your video could do well on um on youtube by going along with like different factors like thumbnail uh content first 15 seconds kind of thing and then like it's just so random with with tiktok 
is so random. I mean, like the first video I ever posted on TikTok, which all the videos that I have on TikTok, they're just reposts of some of my clips from stream just made funnier because I add either noises to it or I zoom in my face harder. And I already zoom in pretty far you know, normally. It's like the first video I ever posted on, on TikTok. It, it got like 600 plus views. Let me, let me look, let me look. My first video has like 653 views and it's a Tetris 99 video with me and Chelsea. And then there's like my largest one. Let me see, like 740 something. Apparently that ain't shit. <laughs> there are some people that find that weird little, just like on fucking YouTube, they find that weird little pocket to post content to, and they just get huge views on it because it's just something niche niche content goes a long way yeah and i think the main difference is exactly what you were saying like for youtube they rely a lot and they've done like studies now where they are basically taking the transcript of your video even if you don't do a transcript but google can just know what you're saying because it can auto generate captions google's google and then it's like cross-referencing that list with like everything you're saying in the video, right? Cause so basically Google knows what your video is about without you even knowing what it's about essentially. And it's then it's using like your thumbnail and like your title and your description and all these different things. Whereas like TikTok and these like uh, shorter video content, they don't have that. So what they're doing is like trying to correlate whatever you're doing in the video to other things that you are like liking on your own account and things like that. So you can get recommended the most random stuff ever that it thinks you might like. And then it, you might get recommended things that are extremely similar to what you've watched before. So it's really interesting, but it definitely provides a lot of opportunity to really get that random viral moment i feel like much more so than youtube is these days because i think youtube these days is not really possible to get that like random viral moment anymore i mean yeah google has so many data centers that are essentially just doing all this weird back-end shit and like I don't, i'm gonna be real i don't know where the data center i don't know what the data centers for tiktok do their shit is so all over the place like one day it could be like, hey, if you post this with this tag and this, this and this, you'll get a decent amount of views. The next day it's just like, no, nah, that shit's dead. Yeah, pretty much. Like a, a buddy of ours, like he found a good random niche area like with MLB, like 21. Mm -hmm. And that would happen to be fucking good old Scarchy Boy 97. Mm -hmm. Shout out. Shout out to Scarch 97. One of his videos has 14k views on it on TikTok. Sure does. And it's, I think it was either, it was a, um, like an MLB. Yeah. And then it's funny because then he'll have other ones that get like 30 views or no, it's usually in the hundreds, but still it's weird because it just goes to show. So like, I, I think another thing is like YouTube is so focused on like, yeah, like people can make good one-off videos, but they're more about trying to get you to subscribe to the channel and watch this person's content constantly. Whereas TikTok doesn't care about that at all. They just want you to watch what you want to watch and keep going down this loop of like intertwined content that just keeps going. They're capitalizing on the whole rabbit hole concept. R exactly. And so much so that I didn't believe when people said to me before I started using it of like, oh, I just started going on it. And all of a sudden it's like three hours later. And then once you get stuck in that loop, you can understand 
Yeah. So I think that's that's also a big a big factor there as well. So I think my recommendation for TikTok is like especially if you have like other content already like YouTube or Twitch, you can probably become more successful with Twitch content by just like pulling your highlights from that and mm-hmm. making them into TikToks like you mentioned earlier. I think you can gain many more fans through that because it's almost like taking exactly what twitch should have for their clips already which is like media that's similar to tiktok and just doing it anyway right yeah because there's still no way of searching clips or looking at trending clips or anything like that that's essentially what tiktok is anyway so yeah it's pretty much just people either creating random unique content for it or just recycling it's the best way to recycle content that's already made which i mean a lot of people utilize that in a good in in a way they'll they'll take something from say a stream portion it out put it to youtube they'll take a portion of that little youtube video portion it out to like a one minute clip and then post that shit to tiktok they'll take a a screenshot of that tiktok and post it to instagram or twitter yeah because well and and the newest thing too is that instagram has reels which are essentially just just tiktok videos and they've been promoting that pretty highly so if you post those you can even do it directly from tiktok itself and like just cross post it exactly especially when you post i found out that when you post your first few reels you'll get extremely high views on it because i think the platform is essentially trying to understand what you're making Mm -hmm. so your first few pieces of content they'll show to like ten thousand people just to see how much engagement there is and then after that it's kind of uh similar to tiktok where it's completely random but at least for your first few it'll go pretty far it's worth looking into yeah yeah no i feel like they do that with um with tiktok too like your first post on tiktok is going to be like a substantial amount of views it's like more than you think that you're gonna get it's like i'm gonna get like four views on this seven or eight hundred uh later i think that makes a lot of sense because i think my first one is one of my highest as well and it was like around 600 so it's very possible yeah i mean yeah exactly i think and so like one more topic i want to talk about too with kind of maybe more obscure content creation options would be like Okay, besides the big players, you know, live streaming content, video content is, believe it or not, articles. Recently, I've been looking into creating just short articles with imagery based off whatever topic I happen to be looking into and posting it to Medium because, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time when like blog posts and this and that were all the hot rage or whatever. But now it seems that Medium's a pretty good uh, tool because number one, it's free. You can make posts about whatever you want. You don't have to pay hosting fees or anything like that. It's a very well-known establishment. Yeah. And they actually do provide um, a way to essentially join their like partner program which can get you paid per click etc blah 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 the other thing that i didn't know until i started using it is it performs fairly well with youtube search algorithm as well because if you want to remember like let's say you know you're gonna do a video about obs when you make your video and you put in your description and everything, Google's search engine optimization is going to pick up to on it to a certain extent, but it's only going to pick up 
on it through YouTube usually. So now let's say you had an article that essentially says exactly the same thing that you said in the YouTube video and you post it on Medium. You're gonna get picked up for that, usually at a higher rate than you might even get picked up for for the video because the video is gonna have all this kind of competition, whereas a actual article might not. And even if even if it isn't, you you have two times the links that are gonna show up compared to just one. And there are still a lot of people out there that do like to view articles rather than videos, which I personally don't understand, but sometimes it's easier to just read a description of something. Read. Yeah. So I like to do the combination of the actual article with some pictures thrown in here and there for directions. Definitely something people are sleeping on. And I, I can't get the full extent of exactly pricing is per view or anything like that but it seems to be okay you know you get like i think the way they do it is so medium judges you based off like how many clicks you get how many reads you get and like how much time the person is spending on the page when your article is open i think it's not actually based on money per click but more how much time the person is reading your article so I guess you can kind of... That's crazy that they have, they, they they track that. Yeah, I don't even think it works well because you can look at the stats. I forget exactly what it is, but one of mine is like extremely low and the other one is like really high, but it has like no views. So it makes me wonder how accurate it really is or whether it keeps track if I just like open an article and leave it on the computer screen all day. Or if it's like, it might be counting like actively scrolling through the page. I feel like that would probably be the most accurate way to know if somebody's actually reading it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like maybe you open an article and you scroll through it in 10 seconds. It would be like, oh, they were only looking at it for 10 seconds. Whereas like if you scroll and then 20 minutes later you scroll a little bit more, they might be like, oh, this person's reading it. But I'm, I'm not too sure. It would be interesting to look into. But yeah, I'm actually kind of looking at the like the, the partner program FAQ right now and i mean there's uh it's saying how you can but i don't think it actually gives you like uh if it's like a click per milli i don't think that they it's probably proprietary yeah yeah but it's super interesting because like for example one of my articles was basically almost a direct rip from a video that i had made but what's interesting to me is I provided a link in the video to the article, but most of the traffic for the article views that I have are not through the video. And the article views are getting actually to be almost higher than the video views. So for some reason, the type of content I made seems to be preferred in a written context with photos rather than a video format, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I mean, some things just translate better. Yeah, exactly. And unlike YouTube, which has this barrier of entry for making money, although a small amount of money, that Medium article post has generated me a non-zero amount of cents. <laughs> so I'll to put it extremely vague. <laughs> let me say that. It's made me something and not just proud. It's actually paid me. It, it baffles me because, okay, like, let's talk about this for a second because it's just worth noting, I think, for people that always have that dream of making money off YouTube. It's like the minimum requirements are that you need 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of view time. Yeah, in a 12-month period. Right, in a 12-month in period, which makes it even crazier because I think it should just be a threshold and not per year. But to think about this, if YouTube was just putting one ad in your video and you have... 4,000 hours of watch time for like the average channel that has unlocked 
the ability to make money, that would be a substantial amount of money. And to think that they're just saying, oh, if you're small, you're not even worth giving this money to, but we're still going to make this money. You know what I mean? Like that to me is so frustrating. I mean, from a business perspective, I assume it makes sense, but yeah, I don't know. I can never stop thinking about that. I guess. Yeah. No, YouTube definitely has a huge barrier to entry for making money and i mean if you think about like the difference between like twitch and youtube whenever it's it comes to the ability to be making money it's like they're huge it's a huge difference that's a really good point because i i know that most people myself included do like to talk negatively about twitch's ability to you know generate interest in their own site and keep people coming back etc but with the affiliate program they really have made it super easy for people that are very amateur content creators to actually start being able to make money i think they don't get nearly enough credit for that because yeah they made it easy for people to actually it might be a couple dollars but the fact is you're like you're still making a little bit of money and even if you're not making money you have the ability to do it yeah like youtube you have this huge uphill battle and when you finally get there everything is pretty consistent and substantial but getting there is extremely difficult and that's the way twitch used to be as well before they had the affiliate program and they just had the partner program it was like exactly the same yeah huge grind but when you got there well even twitch was like when you got to the partner there wasn't no guarantee that you'd have consistent money because you would still have to maintain your base but because youtube's content is so evergreen or it can be you can pretty much make passive income for forever because your old videos might still be getting views for a substantial amount of time also would that technically be passive income since you did put a lot of effort into it well, the way I, I guess the way most people describe passive is that once it's completed and you don't have to do any additional work, I would say. Okay. You know what I mean? You're right. You're right. Like, there's no, yeah, upkeep. no upkeep. But that's not even necessarily true because the algorithm changes so much now that you probably have to like redo thumbnails <laughs> and everything. Like every like redo thumbnails, redo fucking your uh, description and everything like that. Yeah. Like on a yearly basis, probably at this point. But yeah. That's the idea, though. <laughs> the idea is you're not supposed to have to touch shit. Because I, I think of, like, these funny, like, channels that, like, back in the day had, like, one viral video or, like, ripped somebody's music video and has, like, a billion views. And I'm like, I, I hope to God that that person is in the creator program and they're getting like hundred dollar checks every week or something. You know what I mean? Or like whatever. Imagine that that uh, DMCA. It's just like, yeah, uh, we got it all. It's like, I made $50,000 off of this motherfucker. You saying you getting it all? Well, there's some interesting stuff too, where like stuff that is old, that, you know, public domain is a thing, but certain like industries like like those weird things yeah and and, like like here's a here's another good thing i'll say for content which i don't think you can really necessarily make money off of at least i wouldn't think it's necessarily legal in this way but like people are doing a thing now where they're buying up old vhs and they're like converting old commercials from the vhs to dvd and then ripping them and putting them on youtube etc which again is a really cool archival method that i'm a huge fan of but then imagine a channel like that that's going big and starts making money if you're advertising like a nintendo commercial and a gushers commercial and these are these are companies that still exist whereas their commercial 
itself, they may not have the rights to anymore, but those are companies that could potentially like DMCA you for something for IPs, etc. So, oh, yeah, I don't know what the legality of that is, but it's probably so fucking convoluted. I wouldn't recommend you doing that as your content, but certainly within fair use. Because a lot of the time, the quality is so bad, but just referencing them is really helpful to viewers. But, um... I mean, you think about it, it's just, like, fair use, it, yeah, it's definitely a thing. But I feel like, it, to an extent, yeah, it's just like, you're taking a random-ass McDonald's commercial from the fucking 80s and putting it onto YouTube and expecting to get paid from it. I, I don't know enough about this niche field to know if these people are actually interested in making money off of it. I would assume yeah. if it could be done that they prob people are probably doing it. But yeah, again, it's, it's kind of this really weird gray area that I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, so... And, and I'm not an IP yeah. lawyer. I think you'd probably need an intellectual property lawyer Same. Um, to help you out with that and trying to figure out legalities i still feel like they they wouldn't have the concrete answer because like a lot of this stuff is just like this digital medium yeah. with people creating stuff and then using other people's it, it's just weird because it's like not there's not a concrete rule about it yeah and, and i think that they really do need to like update a lot of these like legal concepts around digital media because the stuff that's been created has been there for so long and it's not really directly applicable and they need to like just make a section that says if you were going to make video content about this xyz this is how it needs to happen right because it seems like there's no reason not and i feel like they they definitely need to update it but they need to not use like people that don't know what the fuck youtube is to update it right 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 i feel like that's like one of the biggest problems when it comes to a lot of these rules are now being enforced is there's like they're being enforced by people that don't n really know what what the fuck they're enforcing it on mm -hmm. just like hey this person used our thing oh i'm sorry what'd you say they're live like i can go in and say hi to them and say they'd say hi back <laughs> kind of witchcraft or wizardry is this i'm sorry harry what was that these people that enforce these laws like they were written when this stuff wasn't a thing. Nope. So the, the, there's a lot of rules that need to be updated to, I guess, to, to mirror like where we're at with different content and then actually apply it to that. The last thing I want to say, which is related but unrelated, and, you know, people might be iffy on this, but so my thing that I wanted to say is this emerging field of nfts is actually pretty exciting because what's interesting to me is that the nft scene is very straightforward on what your rights are if you own these things which i think like every form of content whether it be gaming music whatever needs to be more clear on they should just say and i know a lot of video games started doing this is if you stream this game you need to turn the music off because we do not own the rights to this or you do not own the rights to this music by playing this game right this was a huge controversy on twitch we own this music and you can you license the music yeah you license the music by owning this game but you cannot broadcast that because the other people that are watching did not license the ability to listen to that music it's like you have to have a full ass like broadcasting license one of the main reasons that I think inside Spotify's TOS, there is something that says something along the lines of, of like, you can't use this for broadcasting or something purposes. It, 
I don't know. It's really unclear, but it's basically it's like, don't use this in a setting where you would, I guess, make money from it or something like that, because this isn't a broadcast license. This is just like a consumer license. Exactly. Like we they they have all they're able to get money per play. But if you're making money from their per play money, then you'd have to charge more or something like that. Honestly, exactly. If like Spotify put out like a broadcast license, just like Spotify or Spotify broadcast, it probably makes so much fucking money from that. I have a feeling like that's coming down the line for sure. Oh yeah, like a lot of these media companies are definitely gonna put their hands into a lot of different like pies and try to get some revenue. It's like you, you think about it. It's like the the, the sure there are all these copyright free music platforms but like the only actual legal safe way to do it is to download the mp3s or the 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 flax and play it through vlc and because everything else has a weird or a weird rule saying hey you can't fucking do this if you're making money from it don't do this And that reminds me of actually the last thing I wanted to say about content creation, which is if you're interested in, you know, making a different form of long form podcast content or anything like that, Anchor got bought by Spotify. If you create an account, you can basically put your podcast slash long form content on any podcasting platform and they do have options to get sponsorships etc so definitely check that out that was something i was not aware of until fairly recently and it's an extremely powerful tool spotify is becoming similar to what youtube is a pretty powerful search engine Mm -hmm. for looking up things so let's say for example you made a skater xl podcast if you start typing in skater xl and spotify this podcast will show up and people will listen to it yeah their search engine is actually pretty decent that's what i'm saying it's something you wouldn't think about but anything that's isolated from google has a lot of potential right oh yeah because people might be bored at work and saying hey i really want to listen to a podcast about tuna fish right now let me see what's going on and now There's no distinction between these huge podcast companies and everyday people that can create their own. So you're not limited to, I think it's even cooler than YouTube in a way, because you're not like instantly shown like, oh, 1000 people listen to this or like, oh, only two people listen to this. I think that is actually really amazing that they don't have that metric associated with it. Wait, they don't? Because it does turn people off. Oh, are you talking about? I think they might show you. Are you talking about actual like front facing? like to your viewers or are you talking about analytics no so like no like if you're on spotify like on youtube right you type in a video you can see how many views it has before you watch it Mm -hmm. right that's true on spotify search you just type in like you can find my podcast on there you click on it it doesn't tell you what my viewership what my listenership is or my average listenership or anything right Mm -hmm. it just says the name of my podcast there's a lot of people that are turned off by being like, oh, this is not that popular, so I'm going to listen to one that has more views, right? How dare they? So it's an extremely good starting point because as long as you make the content you want to make and people find it interesting, they'll listen to it. Yeah, 100%. Like, I've been using Anchor for a while. Yeah, you've been using it for years, right? Yeah, honestly, I I, 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 I think it, it's been years. Like, I, I started using it before the, the Spotify merger yeah that was pretty recent it's great honestly the spotify buying them spotify buying them actually made it a lot better (laughs) 
Yeah, I think so. I think it just pushed them forward on a lot of different things that they've probably been thinking about but not, like, acting on yet. Yeah, and I mean, you can literally start off the bat with a sponsorship, and it's, like, I mean, it's Anchor, but you you can start off with a sponsorship. And I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but it's, like, it's, 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 like, close to 15 per mil. So, like, I think it's, what, clicks per milli for 1,000. Anchor is such a good way to introduce yourself to that long-form content. Or it could even be short-form exactly. content. You can make a podcast 20 minutes long, post it on there, and say, like, hey, you have a few minutes, listen to this shit. It's probably going to blow your mind. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to put it out there. And again, even if you have a Twitch stream that you thought you were having a really good conversation during, you can rip that, turn it into a podcast, and put it out there. Damn, I feel like you're speaking right to me. I'm not purposefully, but I think <laughs> I do have some decent ideas and people really underestimate what they can do, I think, in this in this world. There's a lot of options, but there's a lot of potential with every option that there is. Like, there's a lot of options and there's a lot of variations of those options. And with that, I really appreciate you, Jay, for, for being on this podcast. This is Gaming with Passion. I had a lot of fun. Do you have any final words to say to the good people, the listenership of this podcast slash YouTube video? Drink beers, pet cats. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the episode seven of the Gaming with Passion podcast with our guest, Jay Brucifer. Be sure to follow Bruce on all of his social media, which is listed in the bio of the YouTube video, as well as the description of the podcast. And thank you, everyone, for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace out.